What's your problem? What's your solution? In which world do we want to live beyond the COVID-19 virus crisis? That is the question of this special series of CAM Solutions. Professor Richard Wilkinson has done extensive research on the impact of inequality on society. If we want to know how we can make society work better for all, Richard Wilkinson has lots to tell us. Welcome to CAM Solutions. You've been researching the impact of inequality in society and on individual well-being for many years. And with your wife, Professor Kate Pickett, you've written two books about your findings. What have you learned? Well, what we did was uh, look at the scale of income differences between rich and poor in rich developed countries. And then we related it to all sorts of outcomes like um, levels of violence measured by homicide rates and life expectancy and the proportion of population in prison, uh, teenage birth rates, all sorts of things like that. We had worked uh, on health inequalities and what's called the social determinants of health. You know, medical care is not the most important determinant of life expectancy. Much more important are things like how rich or poor you are, your social class, your education, uh, how stressful your life has been in, in many respects. Those are the really powerful determinants of health. One of the interesting conclusions in your book, The Inner Level, which also refers to your earlier work, The Spirit Level, is that more economic growth doesn't seem to lead to better well-being, health and happiness. In fact, there is research that suggests that in Western societies, we haven't made any real progress uh, since the 1970s, probably. We may have had higher income levels, GDP per capita, but we kind of lost that progress in versus increasing levels of stress in society, environmental deg degradation and things like that. So how do you explain that the economic growth that we all seem to be striving for actually doesn't serve us? I think it's very simple. Uh, I mean, in a poor society, um, rising material standards are really important. But uh, as we get more and more of everything, it makes less and less difference. Um, and uh, that's basically what you see. So if you look at... Uh, uh, life expectancy against GNP per capita uh, in different countries of the world. Um, as countries get richer, uh, their life expectancy goes up and up and up. And then when you get towards the rich countries, it starts to level off and it's then horizontal. And so countries can get much, much richer and yet their life expectancy doesn't, uh, isn't affected by that life expectancy tends to rise, but unrelated to what's happening to GNP per capita. At least that's that's been true over the last generation or so, say since the 1970s. Uh, but uh, of course, more recently in the United States, life expectancy has ceased to rise. Uh, and it looks as if uh, some of that is to do with inequality. You've had a big rise in what are called, sometimes referred to as the deaths of despair. Um, drugs, alcohol, suicide, um, things like that. Uh, 
And so there's a limit to what material standards can do for you. And it's not simply health. If you look at measures of happiness and well-being, um, life satisfaction, mm -hmm. they have that same shape. Um, so after you get a certain level of wealth in a society, getting richer still doesn't make much difference. Where did we go wrong? I mean, if you go by those statistics, at least uh, that research, it seems to suggest that in the past 50 years, we didn't really make much progress. And so, so what's wrong with our policies? Economic growth is what's transformed the real quality of our lives historically, uh, from the 19th century to uh, the middle of last century. Um, but it won't go on improving everything forever. Um, you know, you can have a, enough food, you can have a, enough cars, you can have enough whatever it is. Um, and, and so it is really, as I said, that having more and more of everything makes less and less difference. We are, of course, at an interesting moment in history. If there ever was a moment in our lifetime for radical change, that moment would be now because we're in, basically in a lockdown. And whether we like it or not, we are faced with the opportunity to rethink, maybe reorganize and restructure. So if we, were try, if we were to try to do that from your perspective, what would we do differently? How would we change the course? The power of the research we've done, which has now been replicated many, many times, uh, is that it shows, um, it, 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 it shows that life for the vast majority of the population can be better with greater equality. Uh, we can live longer, uh, the less mental illness, less stress, uh, less violence, um, stronger community life, uh, higher social mobility. Um, I sometimes make a, a, a joke at the expense of Americans. Uh, I, I show the graph of uh, uh, social mobility uh, in relation to uh, inequality. And of course, Americans always think that they have the uh, highest social mobility, they're a very mobile society, there's the American dream, anyone can become president and so on. Uh, but actually, if Americans want to live the American dream, they do much better to go to countries like uh, Denmark that have much higher social mobility. So instead of being the land of opportunity, in a way, it's the land of the greatest inequalities of opportunity. You know, when kids start off, uh, there are more differences in terms of class and parents' income and so on. Your father's income matters much more to where you end up in society in the US than many other societies. Um, and I think that surprised a lot of researchers, but it's been replicated on different data sets and uh, is now well established. That's an interesting point, because in the more traditional European societies where certain family structures have been in place for, for centuries rather than decades, as in the United States often, you would expect that these family favors and things like that would continue to play a role. So American story was about getting away from the class divisions of, yes. of Europe and Britain and so on, uh, the landed aristocracy and so on. Uh, and for a while, um, with of course the important, very important exception of uh, racial ethnic differences, uh, 
the United States was a more fluid society than European ones, but that ceased to be true. And it looks as if a very important part of the explanation of why is that the income differences between rich and poor have grown so wide. We all become more worried about how we are seen and judged. You know, what you think of me? You know, will you respect me and look up to me or will you look down on me? And those kinds of anxieties, status anxieties, uh, seem to be much higher in all income groups in more unequal societies. We all become more twitchy about how we're seen and judged, if you like. So from your perspective, from what you've learned uh, during all your research, what why would you say that equality, or I should say more equality, uh, is important well, uh, between people? Almost all the problems that are more common at the bottom of the social ladder, you know, higher rates of violence, more obesity, more teen births, more uh, more people in prison. Um, all those problems get worse when there are bigger differences between us. People are less likely to know their neighbours in a more unequal society. Um, uh, less concerned with the, if you like, less public spirited, uh, less interested in, in the common good, if you like. Uh, and you can demonstrate all this with 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 statistics that's collected by all sorts of international organizations. And so what we argue, what we really show, is that the quality of life is better for all of us uh, in these more equal societies. When I say for all of us, yeah. of course, inequality has its biggest effects on the least well-off. But even amongst the better-off people like you and I, uh, we might live a little bit longer if we had the same job, same income, same education, but lived in a more equal society, we'd be less likely to become victims of violence. Uh, um, Our kids might become less involved in, in drugs and so on, seriously involved in drugs. In that way, we all do better. We need greater equality for all kinds of social conditions, as we've talked about. But you also argue that we need greater equality to achieve the very sustainable society we need to become to get more in line, if you like, with the planet. Can you talk about that? The way we most commonly try and show our self-worth um, is through consumerism. Yes. And actually, you see that as inequality, as the income differences widen in societies, uh, people borrow more. Uh, I think, to keep up with each other, yeah. um, you know, so I can give a good account of myself by, you know, if I've got glasses with the right fashion frames or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, that feeds into, uh, I think, an insatiable uh, kind of consumption. Our consumption is competition uh, between us. Uh, and as I think I said earlier, status anxiety goes up, not only amongst the poor, but even amongst the rich yeah. uh, with inequality. Um, and of course, the big obstacle to sustainability uh, is consumerism. Um, and uh, we have to realize that the easiest way of controlling it, of making us feel happier with our incomes, uh, is through greater equality. Yeah. But there are surveys of the opinions of business leaders 
um, asking them about what priority they attach to environmental agreements. Uh, they think they're less important in more unequal societies. You know, presumably all the environmental things, that's for the government and other people to worry about. Yeah, yeah. I just get on and run my business. Uh, but people are less likely to have those sorts of attitudes in a more equal society. You're not just a researcher, I suggest, because together with your wife, you started a foundation to support the very work in society that you write about. So you do the research, but you also want to change. Is that, would that be correct? I was giving a lecture in London on, on these things, and I, I suppose I wanted people to know that uh, the a academic evidence, but somebody came up to me afterwards and said, is anyone campaigning on this? And I'd never thought of campaigning. Mm -hmm. We set up what is now called the Equality Trust, initially with money from a large uh, Quaker foundation. I suppose, you know, if you're a researcher who has the, if you like, the rare privilege of coming across really important connections that aren't very well known, you feel it's your job to make them better known. Mm -hmm. It confers a kind of responsibility on you. I may say that uh, we didn't discover these relationships. The first people to show statistical relationships between greater inequality and worse health and more violence, they published papers in the 1970s. My first ones came out in the 1980s. Um, but now there are simply hundreds of papers. Mm -hmm. And people have always known, known since, since before the French Revolution, that inequality is divisive and socially corrosive. And that's simply what the data shows. A few months ago, the world went into a lockdown because of a crisis that very few people saw coming. What did you think in terms of your work on uh, equality and the need for equality? What is the opportunity? People become more sociable in streets and villages and towns all over Britain. We've learned the names of quite a few people uh, who live locally we didn't know before. Mm -hmm. When we go out to have a walk to exercise, uh, people stop and talk to each other in a way they didn't before. And you see, what's happening is we're all being put in the same boat together, which is actually what greater equality does. Yes. And so the effects are very like the effects of greater equality. And you can see it in terms of what people are, are looking for afterwards. The vast majority of the population, something like two-thirds of the population in good opinion polls, say uh, that they think we will be a kinder society after this. Um, they also think um, we'll be a more equal society. Um, uh, and I, uh, people have been horrified by the data on the higher death rates amongst ethnic minorities from COVID. You know, I was rather surprised that most people were surprised because, you know, Almost all causes of death have that same pattern, mm -hmm. more common amongst my poor minorities um, and so on. Um, but I think the reaction shows that people think we shouldn't tolerate it. We should do something about it. This is a show called Camp Solutions, so we want to talk about solutions. 
We know that more equality is good for all of us. But how do we get there? One thing you mentioned in, in your books is the, the concept of economic democracy. Can you talk about that? Yes. Um, in terms of how you reduce the income differences between rich and poor, most people think that uh, is simply a matter of higher taxes and more generous benefits. Um, I think that's part of it. I think we've got to stop people uh, hiding their money away in tax havens and we've got to stop tax avoidance. But a much more fundamental approach is to reduce the income differences before tax. Mm -hmm. The biggest reason for our rise in inequality is the runaway incomes at the top. Uh -huh. uh, these people who are paying themselves many millions of dollars um, uh, hundreds of times more than the, the average person working in their company. In the past, stronger trade unions, uh, a powerful labor movement, uh, social democratic parties, if you like, the strength of what I call the countervailing voice. More people with an idea that there's another way the world can work. I think the way now is through um, employee systems of employee ownership of companies, uh, legislation for employee representation on company boards. Uh, the United States and Britain doesn't have any uh, legislation like that, but uh, about half the member countries of the European Union do have that kind of legislation. In Germany, it's very strong. Uh, apparently, about half the people on the remuneration committees deciding pay in the larger companies have to be employee representatives, not uh, a financial elite parachuted in. Um, and I think that is the way of getting greater equality more deeply embedded into the fabric of our society. Uh, in, an, in a way, it can't easily be undone. You know, it's, it's employees who create the wealth most fundamentally. Uh, and yet they haven't been sharing in it. I get your point. But how would that work in that gig economy that is emerging so fast now, where Uber drivers are not at all represented in the boards of the corporations they are basically working for? So, so how would we do it there? We really have to deal with these zero hours contracts. Um, it's not, a, a, not the right way to treat human beings, uh, treating people as uh, simply as resources um, and uh, I, I think that part of that is economic democracy. Um, I, I, I think that um, one of the effects of the lockdown uh, and the recognition that there are some occupations that are essential um, and people delivering, people working in shops, um, uh, obviously health service people, but uh, shelf stackers in our supermarkets and so on, suddenly seeing these very badly treated, low-paid people as essential workers, it's changing things. And there's a funny habit that's developed in Britain uh, every Thursday night at eight o'clock. Everyone comes out of their houses and they clap. And they're clapping the essential workers, particularly the health service workers. Um, and I, I, the internet is awash with proposals of what we do after we come out of uh, this crisis. Um, and 
quite strongly um, represented our proposals to do something about uh, appallingly low pay and, and bad treatment in those jobs. Is a universal basic income part of your ideas of economic democracy? Well, I'm not an economist, but um, increasingly it seems to me we need to go in that direction. Um, partly because, of course, uh, people are looking at the development of automation, new technologies and so on, suggest that um, perhaps half or more than half our jobs are vulnerable to automation. Um, and crucial to future well-being of our societies is how we handle that. Is it just going to create enormous unemployment uh, for a large part of the labor force and huge wealth for the people who nominally own uh, this automated technology? Or are we going to have some way of sharing out uh, what is produced automatically? Um, and I do think universal basic income is a very important part of that, uh, the solution to that problem. In the end of your last book, you write that we can only achieve the goal of greater equality if large numbers of people commit to that. Now, at the time that you wrote the book, there was no crisis, so that was a logical recommendation. But today, there is, suddenly there is that crisis. And large people large groups of people have come together in fact we're all together so is this that moment that we need i do think that coming out of this covid crisis may be a real turning point uh, there are big swings international ideological swings i mean uh, the 1960s was a radical decade the 1980s saw uh, growth of uh, sort of free market fundamentalism, neoliberal economics with um, Reagan and Thatcher. Uh, and, and it's there that we start the really big increases in inequality. And uh, that was 40 years ago now. These changes don't all, don't just happen in one country. Um, the 60s was radical everywhere. 1848 revolutions happened in different continents um, all that time ago. Um, so I, I do think that uh, really important are these changes, these swings in international ideology, economic ideology, perhaps principally. And I wouldn't be at all surprised, uh, I hope very much, that uh, this uh, crisis will have been the trigger uh, to uh, such a swing. Richard, to conclude, is a better world possible? Oh, I have absolutely no doubt. I think sometimes it would be quite hard to create a worse one. When I saw that only 9% of the population uh, wanted to return to uh, everything being as it was before the crisis, uh, <laughs> I thought... No, that's an indication if the vast majority, 91% of the population, didn't want to return to that society. <laughs> it's, it's an indication that we can do better, and I think we will do better. Thank you very much. Thank you. More equality in society is cheaper and healthier. It also leads to a happier and cleaner world. 
That is the message of decades of research by Professor Richard Wilkinson. Yes, we are in a crisis and we have a big opportunity to make major progress for all. This was Camp Solutions. Stay well and see you next time. Camp Solutions is presented by the World Business Academy on behalf of Just Capital. The COVID-19 Corporate Response Tracker of Just Capital is tracking the best practices of corporations serving the needs of their employees and of the communities they serve in this time of national crises. See how the best of America's largest employers are treating stakeholders amid the coronavirus crisis at JustCapital.com.